Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. Hello and welcome to Killing It the Crimecast. I'm Paulie Lux. And I'm Healthy Sam. Excuse my voice if it's croaky. I kind of like it. But if you don't, deal with it. I mean, it's it's tricky because now both of us have gravelly voices. I don't know how they're going to differentiate us. I mean, it's pretty obvious. It is pretty obvious. I was being facetious. Yep. A um, couple of housekeeping bits before we get going. We've got some wonderful people who have done five-star reviews. Yay. Woo. Thank you so much, you guys. I just wanted to shout out the names. Thank you to D Brown 34 Thank you. Thank you. Permaze, Kate in Actuality, A Paranormal Chicks. Which, Yay, Paranormal Chicks. Which took me like a week to realise it's A Paranormal Chicks. A pair of normal chicks. Yeah, it's a pun. It's a good pun. It took me so long just because I'm dense. I'm sure most people get it as soon as they see it. Um, but we've also got um, Hazar. And also, um, Sonia, thank you so much for your lovely email. You were so sweet in it, and thank you. It made our day. It was a really lovely email. Also, I had, what was it, two mentions about my accents? Yes, you did. I'm very happy with that. You should be. Because I think some of them are pretty good, but some of them are terrible. But people love them either way. <laughs> yeah, people like my accents, which is really nice. Yeah. Um, also, have you ever wondered how you would murder your significant other? Yeah, we're going to be doing a special <laughs> soon, which is an excellent segue into our Patreon. Heck yeah. Uh, Lux is going to tell you about the Patreon and then I'll tell you about the special. Okay, so we've got a Patreon up and basically you can sign up for different levels each month. But regardless of what level you sign up for, you get access to our special episodes such as murdering each other. Um, and if you sign up for the top level, I'm going to paint you a little watercolour of a serial killer. You can even request one if you'd like. You could probably request them doing something specific. Oh, probably. I mean, let's not put that much faith in my artistic skills. I mean, if you ask and we think it's doable, then Lux will do it. Yeah, okay. Um, and also we'll send you stickers and badges and stuff like that. So there's uh, also, oh, you can also vote. Um, we're going to be doing special episodes and sometimes it'll be like between a couple of topics and you can decide which one you want. And then that'll be available to the Patreon subscribers to listen to those. Yeah, and one of the cool. first ones is going to be uh, Lux and I recently uh, occasionally have a, this fun little thing where we think, if we were to try and commit the perfect murder on one another, mm. how would we do it? What yeah. would be the perfect way for me to murder Lux 
without anyone knowing. And it's it's going to be quite interesting because obviously we live together. We've known each other for a long time. We know all of each other's habits and stuff. So if you want to know Sam's particular habits that I can exploit and make look like an accidental murder. Yeah, we're not going to give too much away because that's that that will be a special for Patreon exactly, subscribers. Exactly. Um, but yes, yeah, so Patreon is up. If you would be so kind and generous as to donate, we'd really, really appreciate it. Um, let's stop. Uh, begging for money and get on to the murders, shall we? <laughs> yeah, we go and get on to the murders. So, um, I have. I'm going to go first today. Yep. I'm going to go first today. I have a guy, a serial killer, named. Now I don't really know how to pronounce his last name, but his name's Todd Collop. Collop. I'm going to go Tom Collop. Okay. Todd right. Collop. Do you have the game for this one? I do have the game for this one. Okay. I do. He, this this guy, Todd Collop, is a cross between Son of Sam. Mm-hmm. And Leonard Lake. Okay, 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 okay. What do you think? What, what, what are you going for? I'm thinking visionary killer. Um, not particularly. Son of I... Sam, more in terms of uh, method. Oh, okay. So just shooting people randomly and then running away. Kind of, yeah. Okay, and Leonard Lake. The, the Leonard Lake is more a, a small detail. So just he imprisoned someone. Like kept Maybe. someone captive. Okay, okay. Cool. Uh, just content warnings for this. Uh, it does contain uh, some rape and sexual assault. It's not particularly graphic. Uh, I think my last one was... Fritz Harmon was very graphic. So gross. Oh, it was really bad. Um, so, and yeah. the forensics episode was gross too. Yeah. Yeah, it was really in pretty intense recently. I'd love to say this episode will be a reprise from the gross, but uh, mine's gross. Yours is gross. Yeah, okay, fair. it does. Right, I'm going to get into Todd Callop. Um... He's from South Carolina, and I don't know what the South Carolina, I think it's like South Carolina. Yeah, that, uh, yeah. Yeah, there you go. So it's not quite like, it's not quite like Southern Texas. No, no. It's like, you know, a happy-go-lucky Southerner. Um, so he was born in March 7th, 1971 in Florida, but his parents moved to South Carolina when he was very young. Good move. I've been to Florida. I did not like that weather. Very moist. Very humid. So moist. Uh, when he was two, his parents divorced and his mother got full custody and she married a new man next year. Um, this is something that affected Collop from like a young age. It was later found that he did not have a great relationship with his stepfather and desperately wanted to live with his biological father. Right. Uh, no abuse, really, in terms of his childhood, in terms of his parents. But um, that separation and not getting along with the stepfather is something that affects a lot of kids. And it can have long-term ramifications, especially... If they feel distant from their parents yeah. and they start to feel like resentment towards them, it creates a barrier between the parent and the kid. And or it means that they don't really have this protector or this person they can relate to her from an early age. Especially if um, they feel like attention is being taken from them by the partner who they don't like, you know, it can create a rift. Can I tell a little anecdote here? Yeah, go. So when my parents divorced however many years ago and my mum started dating... I had this moisturizer that smelled of raspberries and it looked like yogurt. And I said to her, I was like, mum, if you date anyone I don't like, I'm going to offer them a yogurt and it's going to be a moisturizer. Like, Poison them. <laughs> as like a, as, I don't know what I thought would happen that she just would immediately dump anyone I said I didn't like, but that didn't work. She the did, horror. I know. She dated someone I hated for five years and I never tried to poison him. Punishment by yogurt. I know. Well, yeah, I like by, by moisturizer. Well, by yogurt air quotes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that sort of thing, it can really make a kid uh, sort of like resent authority as well, massively. Mm. Collop was a perfect example of one of those kids who's just like shitty from the word go. Okay. Uh, he was described as very troublesome. Uh, his mother told the court later that he also satisfied one of the McDonald triad. 
Can you Uranesis, guess which one? Arson, no. theft, cruelty to animals. That's the one. And you said four things. Yeah, I know. Theft isn't on the, <laughs> on the tree. Animal but... abuse. Uh, he shot dogs with BB guns. And he Why? also killed a goldfish with Clorox. <laughs> oh, what? So it's, so it's sad for dogs, <laughs> but it's, hot, it's fine for goldfish? I just find it kind of funny because usually when people do stuff like that, it's to see like the pain in the animal's eyes and blah, blah, blah. But a goldfish, what, what did it do? Just like swim slower? It like, didn't swim at all, Lux. He killed it. Yeah, yeah, but that's what I mean. Like, watching it die, that kind of been very satisfactory. So I'm just imagining this boy being like, oh. Right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna to move on. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Before sorry. you go in depth about the logic of killing a goldfish. He was described as explosive and preoccupied with sexual content. This was as early as age nine, which is when he began counselling. Mm. Um, his behaviour, coupled with a professional's opinion, caused him to spend almost four months in a mental hospital. At nine? At nine, because he was so aggressive and he didn't get along with any other children. After this, in 1983, when he was 12, he finally moved in with his biological father in Arizona Ooh with his mother and stepfather separated. Uh, due to that fact, he moved in with his dad. Right. Uh, he took his father's last name. I believe his name before this was Samsel. Um, he clearly took a lot of his major character, character traits from his father because he apparently adopted the hobbies of collecting weapons and, quote, blowing things up and making bombs. That sounds like a lot of fun, to be fair, as a child. It does, but it also sounds fucking horrific. Oh, yeah. Um, even though their relationship was clearly idyllic, uh, it didn't last long due to the fact that his father was never around because he was off seeing his multiple girlfriends. Oh. Uh, Collop asked to return to his mother and eventually did move back in with her, uh, despite his mother's genuine attempts to make him stay with his dad. <laughs> So she didn't want him. His mum was like, no, she didn't want him. He's been in oh, a mental yeah. hospital. He's I been mean, an absolute nightmare. And now scared. he knows how to make bombs. <laughs> yeah, fair. I'm sure it was a very traumatic experience with his father, having the person you idolise be like a disappointment to you. Um, sort of don't meet your heroes style thing. Mm -hmm. And it clearly affected him. I mean, he was already really bad already, but it did affect him. So uh, in 1986, when Collip was 15, he kidnapped a 14-year-old girl. Yeah, when it was 15. Talk about logical leaps with the goldfish. And now it's like, oh, my dad's not great. Kidnap now a girl. Now I'm going to kidnap a girl. Yeah, what the fuck? Um, the girl isn't named, but we know that Collop threatened her with a 22 caliber revolver and forced her to come back to his home. He tied her up, taped her mouth and raped her. He then walked her home. So, you know, he's not all bad. <laughs> you know, there are walked some... Walked her home just in case, yeah, you know, home, a rapist attacked there her. There are some dangerous people out there. Um, he uh, then threatened to kill her siblings if she told anyone. Mm. Yeah, that's real dark. Sorry, I um, had some coke in my mouth, but ugh, it's fine. It's horrible. Obviously, she did tell people and the police were called. Uh, good girl. Yeah, good. Absolutely. Collop was immediately charged with kidnapping, sexual assault and committing a dangerous crime against children. In 1987, when he was 16, he was tried as an adult, pled guilty to the kidnapping in return. The other charges were dropped. Although they were dropped, Collop was sentenced to 15 years in prison and was registered as a sex offender. Why did they try him as an adult? He's 16. That's not... Well, in America, and it depends what state you're in, and sometimes you can be tried as an adult when you're 15. Jesus. Like, there was a kid, uh, Dave Chappelle talks about him in one of his stand-ups, but there was a kid who was 15 who's practicing wrestling moves and he accidentally killed his neighbor. <gasps> and he was charged as an adult and got murder. Oh, my God. Yeah. The judge said... and I, every, time, every time I'm researching it, it says, the judge said... I always think of the big black judge from Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, very bright and advanced academically. 
I don't know. That I, was great. That was thank good. you. Like I, I always just every time it says judge voice, it's just it's just like this incredibly deep voice. I imagine the um, the puppet from Arrested Development. My name is Judge. My name is Judge. Uh, so basically, to repeat in the judge voice, uh, um, Collop was very bright and advanced academically, but he had behaviours and um, was emotionally dangerous and likely could not be rehabilitated. Okay. And this is a. 16, they're saying he couldn't be rehabilitated. At 16, they're saying he's beyond help. Um, so he spent um, 14 years in prison in total. And in 2001, when he was 30, he was released. That is um, a long time to be in prison when you get... Yeah, when you're that young. When you're that young, that's like your whole your whole life, basically. Your yeah. whole young, young From life. From 16 to 30. Yeah. Uh, he moved to South Carolina, where his mother lived. Uh, while in prison, actually, this is super impressive. He had an IQ of 118, which isn't... It's good. It's not... It's not genius level, no, but, no, it's but it's definitely it's above average. It's very above, definitely mm. above average. Um, while in prison, he got a degree in computer science and he began to work as a graphic designer. Nice. He then started studying at the University of South Carolina, upstate. In 2008, he graduated with another degree, a Bachelor of Science degree in business and administration marketing. Hmm. And I love that this degree is it's a Bachelor of Science degree. Like yeah. there's like there's a bachelor of silence. It's just like, hey ladies, I'm a bachelor of science. Please form an orderly line. There's enough electrons in me to bond with all of you. Oh, <laughs> nice. Let's large hadron collide our genitals together. <laughs> nice. Um. So with this, Collop got his real estate license. So okay. he used this business, business, business. <laughs> he got his business. Um. This business administration degree. Uh, got an estate agent license. He built a firm and he eventually had dozens of real estate agents under his employment. That's very impressive. Yeah, he actually became the top selling real estate agent in the Carolina region. Fuck me. That's... North and South. <laughs> uh, a customer remembered him as uh, a very outgoing and professional, but he would often talk about guns and make like sexual innuendos. So he's sort of like walking around showing people the things, just like three beds, three baths, nice closet space, where you can keep all your guns. I like guns. Do you like guns? They blow people away. Want to blow me away? <laughs> um, in 2014, he'd been out of prison for 13 years, and he is mega rich, like really rich. He owns the biggest real estate company in the whole of Carolina. Mm -hmm. um, he bought 100 acres of land and put a fence around it, which cost a total of $380,000. Not as much as I would have thought, actually. Yeah, but it's like rural Carolina buying a bit of buying a big plot. No, of land. no, it's a lot of money, but I, like I thought, yeah. Yeah. Also, he can get he can he can get the deals. He's a real estate agent. Just to clarify, in America, land is so much cheaper because you've got more of it. Yeah, there's just more of it. Yeah, in the UK, buying a hundred acres that's literally like half of England. No, it's no, not. not. Not quite, but, but I understand but, your point. Yeah. It's like, it's the, it's, you know, the laws of abundance. The second exactly. there's more of something, it's less in demand. One of my neighbours had like four acres and everyone was like, no, I think it was two actually. Everyone was just blown away. They were like, wow, you must be so rich. Oh. And this guy's just there like, yeah, got a hundred. Yeah, got a hundred, whatevs. Uh, okay, so we're going to start jumping into some murders. I um, there's something very important to know about Todd Collip. Now, this is something I, I worked, I kind of realized it, it's a very pervasive, repetitive theme that seems to come up a lot in all of the, in all of the information about him and all the sources I found. He was very obsessed with people doing what he wanted. Uh, he thought that if someone was in, acting in a way he didn't like or was mocking him, he would just lose it. 
Like, for example, a co-worker claims that he and Collip went to a diner and he had an issue with a waitress because she apparently didn't want to deal with his insane rudeness. <laughs> um, the co-worker claims that the employee was Megan McCraw-Coxie. Megan McCraw-Coxie. That's a cute old name. Uh, which was one of Collip's victims. She was oh, one of Collip's no. victims. Yeah. No. Side note, the name Megan McCraw-Coxie is definitely the name of a porn star who exclusively does cowgirl. <laughs> <laughs> Don't. She's a victim, man. Don't you do that. Don't do that. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> Uh, so his first murder was... Wait, in... did he become a power and control killer then? Because... I don't... I think power control killer is an, is a, is, is difficult way of putting it. Uh, yeah. Now, a power control killer is someone who does it because they want to feel that power. So yes, in a sense, if people were like emasculating him or upsetting him, he'd want to deal with it. But I'd say he's more like a... Like sort of like a revenge killer. Right. Uh, he was doing it... Or, or even like a missionary killer in a way. Because he's because like weeding he's like, out all the dickheads yeah, in his weed, mind. Getting rid of all these rude, horrible people. Right, right, right. You know, he's doing it because they upset him. And this, his first murder, was is insane. Now, this doesn't sound like a first murder, generally speaking, in terms of serial killers. Mm -hmm. But the reason that I believe that this is his first murder is because he uses a gun. Now, he uses a gun in all of his murders. But in a first murder, if, uh, say, for example, a serial killer who strangles people. Hmm. it's a big, difficult thing to strangle someone. Oh, it's super difficult. It's really intense. It's really hard. Whereas if a serial killer just sort of, if a guy who's potentially a serial killer just sort of loses it and flips a bit, they have a gun. That's that's a degree of separation between you and the victim. Mm -hmm. You can just shoot. So he kills, I'm just going to clarify, he kills four people in mm -hmm. his first murder because he has a gun. Oh, and also going back to the power control thing, that that makes me side more with you about maybe being a missionary and all of that because you don't have that much power over a person if you're just shooting them with a gun. Whereas if you're standing over them, you know, punching them or strangling them or stabbing or whatever, whatever horrible ways you can murder someone up yeah. close, you have more power there because you can you literally have their life in your hands. Yeah. Whereas with the gun, physically in your hands. Yeah, exactly. With a gun, it's it makes you feel powerful to have a gun. But it's not like, a, in terms of a serial killer who want, who needs that control, that physical, immediate, no separation control, something like a gun separates you from the victim. Yeah. Um, so uh, in 2003, a customer found four people shot to death inside Superbike Motorsports, a motorbike shop. Mm -hmm. The victims were the owner, Scott Ponder, service manager, Brian Lucas, mechanic, Chris Sherbert, and Beverly Guy, who was the owner, Scott's mother and bookkeeper. Okay. Apparently, according to Collop, he had tried to return a motorcycle and they laughed at him and they took the piss out of him for oh. not being able to ride one properly. Oh, no. Now, I, f I fucking love this because he's a piece of shit. But at the same time, I'm like, you fucking assholes. Like some guy just comes in and he's just like, I can't quite ride the motorbike. And they're like, oh, you idiot. That really pisses me off. I mean. Look, it's fine because he's a fucking serious Yeah, killer. that's what I was going to say. Like, he's but imagine, dirt, so imagine if right. that happened to you. You, you like, um, I can a ride a motorcycle, thank you very much. Okay, with something else. <laughs> and you went in. Okay, what about you? If your laptop broke and you took it into a thing and, and they were just like, <laughs> look, they don't even know how to replace the hard drive. <laughs> One idiot. Yeah, all right, yeah. Yeah, you'd be really upset. Yeah. You'd probably want to kill a fool. No, I'd cry. Um, anyway, uh, police believe that he entered the building from the back after he got the shit ripped out of him. He went in the rear, did he? Oh, la, la, la. You said he makes innuendos. Come on. Oh, actually, that's fair. Yeah, that's probably something he would have loved. Exactly. Uh, with a pistol, he shot Chris Sherbert as he worked. 
He then went to the center of the showroom and killed Beverly Guy. He shot Brian Lucas in the main doorway and finally killed Scott Ponder in the parking lot. So it seems like they're getting progressively like further away from the, the zone where they're hearing the shots. So it sounds to me like the last two are like running away because they're near the door and then in the parking lot. Yeah, in which the is doorway, really sad. in the parking lot. It really sounds like... That's actually... I hadn't thought of that. That's probably really true. Yeah. Um, running for help maybe even. Yeah, Ugh. really intense. So there was a long gap between this and his uh, next murder. Wait, was there not CCTV in this motorcycle shop? Apparently not. No, like huh. th this was a cold case until the until he was caught. They had wow. no way of connecting it to him. Um, so his next murder occurred in 2015. Super recent. So 12 years after his first one. Now, later on, you'll find out that he claims there's more victims. Mm -hmm. Now, there's a good chance that he did it in that intermission. But at the same time, again... He seems to be a serial killer out of like anger and revenge. And he's sort of like a super rich dude. There's a chance he'd had a long cooling off period. And like no one pissed him off enough in those 12 years. Yeah, exactly. What did his motorcycle... Oh, it was just the laughing. Was that literally... I, I imagine it was pretty brutal, right? So, you're in South Carolina. You go to a motorsports place as like a fucking posh... He's fat, estate agent. Who's going like, oh, this bike's too fast. Like, you know, like, oh, I can't, I can't even get on. My, my thighs are too squishy. <laughs> uh, like, and also know. motorbikes are all about balance. And if you're yeah. overweight, I, I, I'd be interested to see how that would affect things. I mean, there's a... There's <laughs> In the politest way possible. I mean, if you get really fat, then your love handles hang over the side and it's like a balancing act with a pole. It's like saddlebags, yeah. Yeah, it's like saddlebags. <laughs> it keeps you upright, mate. He could he could, he could, could lean like a full 90 degrees and his, his, his fat would keep him stable. So why couldn't he ride one? I don't know. I do not know. The fool. Yeah, I know. So uh, in 2015, uh, his next murders occurred just before and on Christmas Day. <sighs> yeah. So there aren't many details about this murder as it only came to light after Collip was caught. Um, as in, no one even knew they were dead. Oh. Yeah. What? Uh, Johnny Joe Coxey and his wife, who was previously mentioned, Melon McCraw Coxey, um, they were killed by Collip in his own land. Right. So Joe Coxey was hired to do some work on the Collip's property on December 22nd and then was reported missing. He had been shot in the head by Collip on roughly the 19th of December. Mm -hmm. Now, it makes sense that Megan went with her last... Megan went to the last job he had been hired for to look for him after he'd gone missing. Yeah. And when she arrived, Collip shot her in the head on Christmas Day 2015. So imagine being Megan. Man, that's horrible. Like, you've lost your, your husband. You don't know where he is. You try and find him desperately on Christmas Day. Yeah. Oh, it's just, it's really horrible. So imagine that's probably why they didn't know they were murdered because it was on his land. That's private property. That's not yeah. somewhere you can, you can just look. Exactly. It without a warrant. And also one thing that's really messed up is there's, it's almost certain that, um, Collip, well, I, it's not certain, but I'm, I'm, I'm imagining this given the motives of all of his other murders. Um, it's almost certain that he hired Megan's husband so he could, so kill he him. could get revenge so he could get on revenge. Megan. Yeah. Yeah. Why not? Uh, the bodies were found buried in the back of Collip's garden or in like the a small area. So basically in, in this hundred acres of land, there was like a shed, uh, sort of a two-story little shed building that you mm -hmm. kind of lived in sometimes and it had a little garden area. Um, the bodies were found buried in there and they were identified due to their extensive tattoos. Oh. 
Which is exactly why I have tattoos. Oh, so yeah, if I'm same. murdered by a horrific serial killer, then I can be identified. Oh, I learned about a case recently where someone would slice off a bit of skin with a tattoo and burn it and then bury the bodies. Oh, that's Super fucked up. gross. See, I hope that doesn't happen to me. Either yeah. that or people will like think, so I've got a tattoo on my back that says the word quiche. It's so bad. Uh, like That's a story for another time, perhaps a Patreon exclusive. Um, and, and they'll be just like, huh, this dead guy really love quiche. But well, you don't. Or, or in my head, it could be better where it could be like, huh, wow, this guy gave his laugh for his love of quiche. <laughs> like, it could be that. Like, that would be great. I'd, I'd be happy with that. I Go wouldn't. Down the, I'd be the a guy. grieving widow. Yeah, but like, if I'm going to die either way, it'd be like he died defending the reputation of quiche. Please get that quiche tattoo covered up before you die. I might do. It's it's really bad. I've told Sammy Hats to get it covered up before we get married as well, because I'm not marrying a man with the word quiche on his back. Well, it's not I'm, happening. Yeah, but I'm not going to get married shirtless, so what's the point? But I'll know it's there, Sam. Yeah, This is enough. something for off air. That's true. This is the domestic dispute. <laughs> uh, speaking of domestics, no, I'm this, the, <laughs> <laughs> not relevant. Not relevant. I oh, just okay. thought I wanted to get back onto the track of violence. Yeah, yeah. Um, onto his last victims uh, in 2016. Really recent. Mm -hmm. These are some, this is a crazy story. This little bit here is insane. I'm prepared. So on August 31st, 2016, uh, I'm not sure how to pronounce this name. It's quite a sort of Southern American, so I'm going to go with Kala. Mm -hmm. K-A-L-A. -A. Kala Brown and her boyfriend, Charles Carver. Isn't that just Kayla? Kayla? I'll go with Kayla. Mm. As it, it might be short for Michaela. Yeah. So let's go Kayla. Kayla Brown and her boyfriend, Charles Carver, went missing after they were hired to clean the Collops' house. So again, this little building what in his What did they land. do to him before they were hired? See, I don't know. Well, actually, no, I do. I do. So there was... Uh, Massive increased... I oh, will get to that, I promise. Oh, okay. There was super increased interest in their missing status due to the fact that there were messages and status updates posted to Charles Carver's Facebook account. And all of his friends were like, this is not him. Right. This is not him. So they were like, clearly, they're not just like missing. Someone has them. Right. Right. Now, I, I tried really hard to find the updates from Carver's account, mm -hmm. but I couldn't. It was really difficult to find them. But I did find a post... That Callop made on his own account during the time that, that they no. after they had gone missing, which I'm going to read it now. Do it in an accent. I'll do. It, I'll do. It, I'll do. It. By the way, there's like 14 dot dot dots. He writes in dot dot dots all the time. I hate people who do that. People who do that at the end of a sentence and then put kisses. Mum, I'm looking at you. Stop that. It's very sinister. <laughs> it's quite sinister. It's like <laughs> it's like kisses. Or is it? She always goes all good with you? Question mark dot 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 kiss kiss. And I'm like. Should it not be? <laughs> also, it's, it's either that or it's also a bit like, so it's very passive aggressive. It's like, good with you, dot, dot, dot. What, you're gonna, when, are you, when are you gonna get back to me? Eventually. <laughs> it doesn't say that anywhere on my watch. Uh, okay, so I'm gonna read this status update that he posted about missing persons while these two people were missing. Crazy. Because of him, right? Reading the news, this person's missing, that person's missing, another person missing. Oh wait, that person went to the beach with friend. Other person found with her parole violation boyfriend. In the event that I become missing, please note no one would take me. I eat too much and I'm crabby. They would just bring me back or give me 20 bucks for a cab ride. Most likely, if I am missing, it's because my dumbass did something on that tractor again. I'm too stubborn to go to the doctor. I got nine lives. I ain't done yet. Oh my God, I love it. Right? I love it. 
Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of typos, but it's fine. Literally, if my friend Catherine goes missing, she, they are going to have a horrible time because she moisturizes like crazy. Her beauty regime is just such that she would be such an annoying captive. I, I imagine that would get a bit terrifying. Like the kidnapper walks in and she's just they're like, I'm drying <laughs> I'm too dry. Moisturize me. It's literally that Doctor <laughs> Who thing with the skin. Cassandra. The, oh, oh, gross. The skin's yeah. got like, moisturize me. Yeah, the big sheet with a face. The big face sheet. Yeah. Um, so, the police searched for the couple and found that their mobile phones last pinged a cell tower very close to Collip's 100-acre property. How very peculiar. After finding out that he was a sex offender, they were granted a warrant and went to have a look. A search of the property found Charles Carver's car in a ravine covered in bushes and branches and stuff. They then searched the rest of the property and discovered a shipping container. Oh. Uh, yeah. Sorry, they, one of my worst nightmares is like being kept in like a little box, like a basement with locks on the outside mm. and, oh no, locks on the, uh, what? Uh, yeah. They also heard a banging noise coming from inside the container. No. Inside, they found Kayla Brown alive chained to the inside of the container. No, wait, stop, stop, stop. Is this the case that went viral on Facebook on like last podcast on the left feed and everything and there was a video of the police finding her and she was like, "They've he killed him, he killed my boyfriend. He says he's going to kill me next. Yep. No. Or at least I think it is because that's what happened. I'm Shit. Assuming I'm assuming it is. Um, so basically she revealed that after she and Charles arrived at the property, Collop said he needed to fetch something from the shed, but he emerged with a gun. He shot Charles several times in the chest for, here we go, this is what you were talking about, mm -hmm. for having a smart mouth. So obviously Charles said something that just upset him that little bit and he killed him for it. But this, this is incredibly interesting. I find this so fascinating. Okay. He later revealed to his mother after being, after like being in prison, after being caught, mm. he said, I didn't know what to do with her. She hadn't done anything wrong. Yep, this was the, yep. It's literally because she hadn't pissed him off. So he couldn't justify to himself, in his sick mind, he couldn't justify to himself killing her. Did he rape her though? He did, yeah. Yeah, but yeah. Because if it is yeah. the case that I'm remembering, there was, yeah, sexual it's abuse. It's insane. Can I just say, it's evident that this happened in America because it, in England, we just keep our mouths shut. Someone rams into you in the street, you're the one that's sorry, it's your fault. A guy could punch me in the face and I'd say sorry. Yeah. I'm so sorry my face got in the way of your arm. Literally. <laughs> so when Joe, the forensics gal, visited, there were so many occasions where she'd bump into me or like just hit me by accident. And she'd be like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. Just, I found it so it's funny. Just because it's immediately After living in London for a while, you stop saying sorry, right? Because it's sort of, it's, it's bred into you as a Brit. And then when you live in London and everyone's bumping into everyone. So I was just like bumping into her, whatever. We were in very close proximity. So she was getting beaten up by me, essentially. I wasn't sorry. But the amount she said it just uh, reminded me what it's like to live a country British yeah. life. It's actually something that you'll like, if you live in England, you'll know this. And if you don't and you visit England, you'll realize this. Mm. If you go to like a to like to London ex especially London mm. right it's very different to anywhere else because everywhere else in England you bump into someone they're immediately like oh my god I'm so bloody sorry oh my gosh can I buy you a scone right <laughs> and it's really intense it's like really I am so viscerally animalistic it makes you feel sorry. uncomfortable yeah it makes you feel horrible you have to do everything you can for this person 
But in London, if you bump into someone and you say sorry, they look at you like you're an idiot. Yeah. Like genuinely. I um, got off the train from London back um, to Cambridge, which is obviously more rural. And um, there was a kid that almost bumped into me. And my immediate reaction was to give him the evils. And then I walked away and I was like, why did I? That's a child. But London had bred it into me. And that was after a month of living here. I mean, I'm not as bad as this guy I'm about to talk about. This this guy, we were on the escalator. Now, if you live in London, again, you'll know. You stand on the, on the right. You stand on the escalators. You stand on the right. You walk on the left. And any tourist who doesn't know that and sort of like leans on the left Ooh, rail, oh, they, no, that's like sir. the biggest faux pas, right? And this businessman in a big business suit with a business case being all businessy, mm. he started walking down the stairs and there was like this this guy, he, you know, just standing on the left side, right? But just a, just a normal dude, like a tourist. I think he was Spanish. And he st- and the, the business guy stood behind him for like five seconds and then went, and literally went like this. He went, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> and the guy turned around and was like, oh, scusi, and like stood to the side. And the guy was just like, rah, 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 and started walking back down. And I was just like, Jesus Christ, London, has, London changes people. <laughs> We're all animals. Yeah, but I mean, don't stand on the left. Also a compelling argument. Yeah. Now, sorry, we're going to get back to this. We're going to get back to this. Just a little dive into London life. Yes. So, um, according to Kayla, Collop kept her in the shipping container for two months. What? Allowing her outside for 30 to 45 minutes a day. Bearing in mind, he posted that missing persons thing during that two months. Oh my God, two months? Yeah. He would force himself on her regularly. Uh, He justified this to himself by refusing to have sex with her when she says no because he, I'm doing very visible air quotes, didn't believe in rape. Like he didn't believe that a man should rape a woman. But he would also make it very clear that if she didn't do what he wanted, he would kill her. So outside the mind of this deranged serial killer, he definitely raped her. What the fuck? If you can see my face right now, I'm literally just absolutely baffled. Yeah. What? I know, it's crazy. How does he not understand that that's right? That's coerced sex. Yeah. Well, it's it's the that's it's what the rape way, is. It's the way he justifies it. It's the same reason he can murder a guy in front of his girlfriend, then then can't murder the girlfriend because she technically hasn't done anything wrong. This guy, I mean, we knew this the whole way through, but this guy has issues. Yeah. Um. So, uh, he also said that he wanted to build a life with her, and that he didn't kill her for a reason. Now I've got a little clip here. Okay. This is Kayla herself on Doctor <gasps> Phil talking about this. No. Do you think in his mind that he thought by telling you those things and controlling you that there would actually be a future for the two of you? He told me that. He told me that he he explained Stockholm Syndrome to me and told me that it would kick in and then we'd be happy together. It would kick in and you would come around and you would be happy together. So this man essentially tells this woman, Kayla, he says, you're gonna have a psychological abnormality, some sort of syndrome, and then we'll be happy, it'll be fine. Just wait for this sickness to set in, you'll be cool. Yeah, he explained what it was to her and told her, it's gonna happen to you, and then we're gonna be happy together. He said things like, "Um, you're gonna live in the house with me, we're gonna build a house together, and I'll make a soundproof room for you to live (gasps) in. Yeah. Oh really my god! So it wasn't even like we're going to live a life and you're going to fall in love with me and then no, it you'll was be always released. it was always going to be you're my captive. Oh but my god! But he was like, god. but you're going to be in love with me. 
but you'll be happy, don't worry. Yeah. Fuck, that is some psychological torment. It's crazy. And can you imagine being in that shipping container on your own and thinking, oh my God, I don't want to do that. I don't want to fall in love with him. Oh shit, what if I do though? What if Stockholm Syndrome does hit? What if it does take hold of me? Like, oh, that's going to be so horrible because then I won't be able to escape if I if I have the opportunity. That must yeah. be such psychological torture. Yeah, right. I'm going to keep going quite quickly because uh, I'm running over a oh, bit. Because yeah. this is a crazy story. So um, there are actually quite a few clips of Ka uh, Kayla talking about this, but one that jumped out of me was a clip of Kayla literally- Jumped out of you. Jumped out at me. That's <laughs> weird. Uh, a clip just jumped out of me. It was just this, uh, you know, that's what I say when I'm doing my accents. It's just this, this other person just jumping out of me. I'm so method. <laughs> um, but it's literally Kayla in the ambulance leaving Collip's property. Mm. She talks about what else he spoke to her about while she was held captive. Fuck. Now, the sound quality is not great, but I'll do some EQing in post and try and make the sound clearer. Okay. Um, so, yeah, this is the clip. He also told me that he walked into, a few years back, that he walked into a bike shop at Anderson and shot four people and left, and they never found out who did it. He liked to brag that he was a serial killer and a mass murderer. He said he was going to kill more people because he had dreams of his body count being in three digits. He said right now it was still high two digits. That's nuts, right? And so gross. So that's him. So because he told her that story, he now had like, that was a corroborating testimony. Yeah. So now, cause that, that, that motorbike murder, mm -hmm. the murders in the, the motorbike shop, that was a cold case. They had no idea who did it. Yeah. And they were just like, wait, that literally is a thing back in. And then they were able to connect that to him. Also in that clip, she is so calm and composed. She's completely in shock. It's, it's, it's really like, it, it, honestly, I completely agree. And I know why you feel that way because in the Dr. Phil interview, mm. she's very emotional. You know, she's, she's, she's had time to think about it, but in this, on the way from the ambulance, yeah, she is just calm. She's just saying it because her body's just in shock. It's, it's, I want to, I, I initially feel impressed and then I think about it and I'm just shocked and saddened by it. Yeah. Uh, just, that is harrowing to yeah. see. So also another thing to point out in the thing, in the clip is that he mentioned, uh, she said that he told her that his, murder count was in the high double digits yeah um but at the moment we've only only got what uh seven, seven. yeah he embellishes a lot clearly uh, he said a lot of things uh, as well to her that seem very embellished mm -hmm. but um again later as i said earlier he says that there are more victims than the seven we know about so you know there's a very good chance that there are yeah so to close up collop confessed pretty quickly to the murders after kayla was rescued uh he confessed in exchange for contact with his mother allowing him to give her a photograph and allowing him to transfer money to the college fund of a friend's child. What? That seems really nice, right? Messed up. So, a search of Collip's property uncovered loads of weapons, uh, and he literally didn't have a license for any of them. Well, he's rich, he can just buy whatever he needs. Yeah, he definitely got them illegally, mm -hmm. just black market, whatever. Um, he was well, gun shows aren't illegal. No, 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 he didn't have a license. You still need a license. Oh. Like, you could just buy it. There's just no waiting period. Right. You can get the license there and then. You just have to register it. Right. Uh, well, it depends what, what state you're in. But pretty much, yeah, you can just buy it. There's no waiting period, and then you register it. Right, right, right. Um, he was charged with seven counts of murder, two counts of kidnapping, and three counts of using a weapon to carry out a violent crime. Okay. Don't know why they separated them, as in three counts of violent crime, whatever. So on May 26th, 2017. Jeez. Collip pleaded guilty to all charges and was sentenced to seven consecutive life sentences without the possibility of parole. Yeah, boy. This meant he avoided the death penalty, but he's in prison till he's dead. 
I so, mean, e- either or. As long yeah. as he's away forever, I'm now, happy. That's the story of Todd Collop. But there's one more thli- thing. One more little thing. You're smiling. What is I am. This? I love this. So during the course of his serial killing, and I'm sure many other serial killers do this as well, he was a fond user of Amazon. Okay. Uh, now, Todd was a bad guy. But one thing he did that for good that a lot of people barely ever do was leave helpful and informative Amazon reviews. No. On a number of products he no. used. No. They were also very honest, apparently. Okay. Here are a few of them. So, this is for an SOG entrenching tool, FO8-N folding shovel, like a mini folding shovel. Okay. Keeping the car for when you have to hide bodies and you left the full-size shovel at home. Doesn't come with a midget, which would have been nice. Five stars. What? <laughs> this guy is just pure bans. That in the Facebook yeah. status. What so, the hell? The next one is for a Husqvarna 455 Rancher 20-inch chainsaw. Works excellent. Getting the neighbor to stand still while you chase him is hard enough without having an easy-to-use chainsaw. <laughs> Five stars. <laughs> That's so creepy knowing what he did. It's so fucked up. But it's funny at the same time. Uh, this next one is for Master Padlocks by High Security Locks. Oh, my God, no. Solid Locks have five on a shipping container. Won't no. Stop. Yeah, won't stop them, but it sure will slow them down if they're too old to care. Oh, my God. Yeah, that was really sad. Uh, this next one is for a retractable knife switchblade. Haven't stabbed anyone yet. Yeah, but I am keeping the dream alive. And when I do, it'll be a quality tool like this. Five stars. <laughs> it's fucked up. What the fuck? That one's funnier because he never actually stabbed Yeah, anyone. it is funnier. But still, like knowing what he did, you're just there like, oh my God, what, why this, was he being so like open? To close off my side, my, my turn, my story. This is my personal favorite Amazon review. This is for another set of locks. He goes, now my locks have locks. <laughs> my place is Hotel California now. Once you check in, you can never leave. Five stars. Oh, my God. Man, he quoted Hotel California. He's a Bantosaurus. Rex, <laughs> Absolute he is. Archbishop of Banterbury. Oh. So, yeah, that's uh, Todd Collop. Todd I hope the accent, I hope the accent was all right. I mean, uh, South Carolina. You know sounds what? about right. We're British. Just deal with it. It's fine. So, I ran pretty over. That's all right. Let's, uh, we'll, let's uh, shuffle on to your story, shall let's. we? Let's. But first, here's a word from some of our podcast friends. That's horrible. It's true. So strange. Usually. I can't imagine what that's like. Do you want to? That could never happen to me. It might. Lock him away. He's pure evil. Or insane. Or human. My name's Kate. I have worked as a forensic psychologist, as well as in prisons and as a crisis clinician. My job was to figure out who gets locked up and who gets a key to find the humanity in inhumane situations. So, are you sure you really want to know? Yeah, maybe. Because by the end of the episodes, you just might end up thinking... I felt better before I knew that. You can find me at IWB Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, sometimes Instagram, or you can email me at iwbpodcast at gmail.com. So that was Kate from Ignorance Was Bliss. She's such a wonderful woman. And I like to think of her as the mum of our little podcast community um, on Twitter. We've got a really nice true crime podcast group. And she's just such an angel. And it is her birthday today when we're recording. Not when this gets released. Happy but birthday. Happy birthday, Kate. Just for you, I'm going to insert uh, a celebratory noise now. 
Great. You will have... Uh, we can't hear that. I'm not sure what the celebratory noise will be yet. But it'll be there. But woohoo! So um, definitely go check her out, you guys. She's a fab, fab lady. So, oh, also, we got a tweet. Someone tweeted at us saying that she just found our podcast and she likes it. So thank you to Melanie on Twitter. That was really sweet. And it was nice that we found it mid-recording because it was a little ego boost between segments. It was nice. It was nice. So, um, your story? My story. Um, so, content warnings. There's rape, mutilation of bodies, um, some blood and guts, and children are involved at some point as well. Oh, dear. But I'm going to play the game first. The game. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, Robert Picton crossed with either one of the two other freeway killers. So, fed to pigs? No. Using pigs? Using pigs. Using pigs. Okay. And the freeway killers, was it like picked up hitchhikers, drifters? Dumped their bodies on the freeway. Oh, okay. Yeah, so there's three of them. There's three killers. Oh, I think I confused the freeway killer with someone else. Dumped the body on the freeways. Okay. Yeah, so there are three killers that go by the freeway killer nickname. Um, But this is Patrick Wayne Kearney. Kearney? Kearney. Kearney. I think it's an Irish name. Uh, That's what I thought as well. Otherwise known as the trash bag killer. The trash man. I'm the trash man. The trash bag killer. Okay, go. Um, That was an always sunny reference, by the way. Um, so, um, this is going to, because you went on for quite a while, and also because this case is so extensive, I'm doing the short rundown. Hopefully, we'll see how long it actually takes. If you want an in-depth version, uh, Serial Killers, the podcast by Parcast, do a really good two-part segment on this, which I would recommend to anyone, especially because it's really hard to find accurate information about this man online. Yeah. So, um, please do go check them out if you want to know more than the drivel that I, I'm about to spew. <laughs> cool, yeah, spew some drivel about Kearney. Blah, 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 blah. So, born September 24th, 1939 in LA. He was the oldest of three sons. His dad was a police officer. Um, he was a thin and sickly child, which made him a target for bullies at school. Um, and his family moved around a lot, which obviously didn't help with this bullying because he was always the new guy at school. Yeah. You know, always going to be a target, especially when you look sickly and weird. Um, as a teen... Obviously, classic serial killer trait. He was withdrawn and he fantasized about killing people. Um, He'd go on to compare himself to Carrie White from the film Carrie because of the bullying and feeling ostracized. And also, I can imagine that's quite a a good character to latch on to because Carrie... I mean, yeah, the Carrie is a is a metaphor for like becoming a woman mm. and having to deal with the hardships of puberty and menstruation and things like that, and then understanding your true powers as a woman. Mm. And it's very it's a really good metaphor to latch onto for someone like this, who is like ostracized and bullied, and then it's this character who's the weak character who's then suddenly bestowed with these powerful, incredible yeah. powers, and then literally goes and fucking kills everyone. So I mean. So um, apparently he got called names like girly boy, queer boy, and little faggot. Oh. Which is horrible. Not very imaginative. No, not very. Um, also, can you just, like, the gay bashing and the gender stuff, like, just steer, just call him, like, weak boy or something. <laughs> like, you know, if you're going to bully someone, just steer away. If you're going to bully someone, bully him right. Yeah. yeah. Do it politically correctly. God damn it. Yeah. Um, so at 13, <laughs> I'm gonna, it's like, a, oh, you better watch out or I'm going to kick you in. Whatever's in your pants, it's fine. <laughs> I'm not going to make any assumptions based on your gender presentation. <laughs> you are relatively androgynous, so I'll just kick you in whatever's there. I'll just kick you in the crotch, man. Or woman. <laughs> so um, at 13, his dad bought him a 22 caliber rifle, 
which is the same as Eileen Wernos's and the same as your guys. Well, mine was a 22 caliber pistol. Well, I don't know if pistol, I don't, oh, what, I don't know. I don't but that's cool, the same as Eileen Wernos's. I just put bought him a 22, so I don't know if it's a, cow, it's a whatever. If it's a 22, it's probably a pistol. Oh, okay. Anyway, um, so that was for hunting. Um, and his dad told him that the best place to shoot a pig was because they had a farm and they slaughtered pigs and stuff. This wasn't just hunting pigs in the wild. Yeah. But essentially, I'm just saying he liked hunting and also they would slaughter pigs. You can hunt wild pig. But this isn't what he did. Okay, fair. Um, so they slaughtered pigs and his dad told him that the best place to shoot a pig was above and behind the left ear. Now, this would be because the bullet would get lodged in the brain and so with no exit wound, there'd be minimal amounts of blood. And also, um, exit wounds ruin meat. Do they? Yeah, if you're hunting for meat, you always want to aim for the head because that's not a part that you eat. Mm. Whereas if you shoot them in the belly or in the in the shoulder, mm. you ruin that entire cut of meat. But my dad used to hunt and we'd eat like the rabbits and pigeons and whatever he'd he'd shot. We'd make it into it because it's horrible finding a bullet in your food. Would food would make it into a game like, oh, you win, you, you win. win this dinner time. So it's like up. I don't feel like a winner. I've got metal in my mouth. <laughs> yeah, I just cracked a tooth. You know, there's an Australian tradition of putting a a, a gold nugget in your Christmas pudding. And whoever found it, whoever found it in their mouth, like got to keep it. There, there's a the French people just one like is, broke their teeth. So Sam grew up in Australia and my mum's French. So we had some French traditions as well. There's galet de roi, which means cake of kings. And you put in a little nativity scene figurine in the cake. And then whoever gets it is king for the day. And the, ki the kids are the ones that get to yeah, yeah. get to eat the cake first. So they're king for the day. And everyone, quote, has to do what you say. But obviously no one does. The irony being that, you know, the nativity play figurines on the packaging. It said not do not get near children's mouths <laughs> no, i don't think it does say that because it's on purpose fair enough anyway um, continue anyway yeah yeah um so yeah he would go a bit further so the minimal amounts of blood like fine he'll i'll shoot the pig the way my dad says but when they gut them and stuff i'm gonna roll around in it Ugh. yeah real real gross right very um, he also would torture animals. There's not a lot of information on that, but there we go. One of the McDonald's triad right there. Tick. And there is one way in which he'd torture animals, which is particularly upsetting. He had sex with a family dog. Oh, man. Yeah. Real gross. Oh, man. Well, that's a bit toy box killer. I was thinking that, yeah. yeah. But he makes the dog have sex with the, his captors rather than have sex yeah. with the dog himself. Yo, so if you guys don't know about the toy box killer, go check that oh, out. Oh, Google that shit. Man. If you if you want to be up for weeks because of nightmares, go check it out. Oh, last podcast on the left do a really good episode of that. I often fall asleep to their podcast, but that is the one episode. That and the Le Leonard Lake Charles Ng one. Can't fall asleep to either of those two. It just creeps me out too much. So in 1958, he's 19. He joins the Air Force and was stationed in Texas. He met a man named David Hill and they became lovers. Ah. Oh. You'd think it would you think that's a nice gay story, but it's, it's no, it doesn't get good. Queer baiting, not happening here. I'm letting you know from the get-go, it's not good. Um, so um, in 1959, Hill had been discharged from the army for, quote, mental illness. But it's rumoured that actually they found out that he was gay. And obviously being gay was illegal at this oh, time. Man. Yeah, super horrible. Um, so Hill was a high school dropout and he was known as a slacker. So he was, whilst he was with Kearney, he was often unemployed or bouncing between low-paying jobs. Mm -hmm. Um, he was 6'2 and muscular, while Kearney was 5'7 and weedy. And weedy. So he never grew out of his weedy phase. He was a twink. Yeah, oh my God, he was, yeah. He was a twink. Um, 
so Kearney was honorably discharged from the Air Force in 1961. Couldn't find out why, but there you go. Maybe he like finished his round. Well, honorably discharged is just as opposed to dishonorably Yeah, but discharged. why do you quit? It means you finished your time. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, it, Honorably discharged means you finished your required time and you didn't do anything so fucked up you had to be dishonorably discharged. Okay, yeah. Anyway, he and I Hill, think. Who, who knows? We're not army people. Um, Clearly, because you just called them army people. <laughs> okay, so he moved to Long Beach, California with Hill. Um, they were on and off again for 15 years. So it was Whoa. a very tumultuous relationship. They argued often and Hill would repeatedly leave Kearney and then come back to him. So when the two would argue in these periods of time, Kearney would go for long drives and pick up male hitchhikers or men from gay bars. And this is when his killing would happen. Right. So when his relationship wasn't going well, I guess he just sort of took it out on others. So he's like a displacement killer. He's like killing because he can't do anything to his lover. Well, um... I'll get to that later. That is what he claims, but okay. I, I'm not sure I believe him. Or for getting his anger out or something. Yeah. yeah. So um, during the 15 years when they were on, or, on and off, Hill would end up marrying a woman named Linda and uh, have a child with her and then leave her again and then go back to her and then get divorced, whatever. Um, so in 62, Hill left Kearney, hitchhiked around the country and got back together with his wife, Linda, who he abandoned for Kearney. Um, God, what a dick. This, this dude. I know. <laughs> Um, his first known murder, this is Kearney uh, again, um, his first known murder was in the spring of 1962. There was a 16 year old man. Um, so this was a few months after Hill left Kearney for his hitchhiking and wife getting back together. Right. Thing. Um, uh, I think he found him on the side of a road and he took him to a secluded area on his motorbike. Just probably something like, hey kid, do you want to ride on my motorbike? Whatever. Um, shot him in the head. Fuck. Like he did with the pigs behind the, behind the left ear. He then had sex with the body and mutilated it. Oh, man. And then he realised And this that, was by the side of the road? Uh, yeah, but, it, but that's, where, In he a secluded that's spot. where he picked him up and God then he took damn. him to the side of the road. Um, then he realised that he left a witness, the 16-year-old cousin of the boy, who had seen him drive off on his motorbike. Right. So he went back, found the 16-year-old cousin and killed him. Jesus. Convinced him to go on the motorbike with him, take him to where his, he took him to the same spot as where his cousin was killed, killed him, and then... Uh, oh, man. Yeah. So he beca became known as the trash bag killer because this is what he would do. This was his MO, his modus operandi. He would shoot them behind the ear. He'd then sexually abuse the body. He'd then dismember the body, drain the blood. Um, before he did that, he would wash them in the bathtub presumably to get all of his gunk off of it. So DNA, whatever. Yeah. I don't know if, if DNA was on his mind. Well, this, is, this is like, it's literally like you're describing someone bringing a pig back from a hunt. Mm. Like you're cleaning all the dirt, cleaning everything off. Yeah. And then he'd um, cut them up into bits, put the bits in trash bags and dump them on the side of the roads. Um, it is estimated that he murdered 46 young men this what way. What the fuck? Yeah. Whoa, that, oh my God. Yeah. 46. Yeah. Jesus. So that same year, um, as he killed those two boys, he murdered an 18-year-old named Mike. And then, um, so I'm just going through this very quickly because obviously there's 46 estimated victims and a lot of them are in the same way, the method that I just explained. Yeah. So I'm just going to go through it very quickly. There's no point saying the same details over and over again. Mm. Um, so Hill comes back, moves back in with Kearney and Kearney decides to take a little break from murder. He's like, you know what, I'm chill. This is bliss. I love it. Um, and he starts working as an engineer for Hughes Aircraft. 
Um, now, apparently, like I said, because Hill was quite a slacker, never really had much money. Apparently, this was a cause for tension in their relationship because obviously he was getting quite a lot of money for this engineer job and his partner was pretty much useless and doing nothing. Yeah. Pretty much like we are right now. <laughs> you have a job and I'm doing nothing. Fair. But it's not. A and cause. also, I don't pay for all your stuff. Yeah, true. Yeah, it's not like a you're not, I'm not dependent on you. Yeah. So, and you know, because it's two men, obviously, and I would, if I were Hill, I'd feel sort of emasculated by this. Yeah, there is a social expectation. It, it's a horrible expectation because mm. it's something, it's very archaic and it's very sort of old school and it's a horrible expectation, but it still does exist where like the man should be the yeah. air quotes breadwinner. So when they're not, it, it, it's it's a little emasculating. See, for me, yeah. I would happily be like a fucking stay-at-home dude or like who just like, who was just like, oh, you bought me stuff? Cool. See, I'm quite a proud person and we've been dating for a long time now, so this isn't a thing, but I used to like refuse to let other people pay for me on dates. I'd get to the place early, order my thing and pay for it and then start reading my book so that when the when the other person arrived it wouldn't they wouldn't have to be like oh so what do you want i'll go get it i'll be like oh i'm fine i've already got my thing yeah because i was that uncomfortable with depending on someone else but mm -hmm. we've been together for three years so now i'm just like sam make that dollar <laughs> <laughs> so um in 1964 kenny and hill moved to culver city california and hill and linda get divorced in 96 oh uh, no not 96 66 um 69 they moved to redondo beach and from here kearney would make frequent trips to tijuana where it's believed that he committed several murders jesus so in 1967 um going back in time a little bit but he visited a friend in tijuana and he killed a man named george raped the body cut it into pieces and buried it in the desert hill would sometimes accompany kearney on these trips i couldn't find anything other than that one sentence do so, you do you think hill knew that's the thing. I think Hill knew. You think so? I don't know how he wouldn't have known, especially because Kearney would bring the bodies back to his home, to his bathtub, to wash them. Yeah, how would think, Hill not at, know? Like, what are we at like now? Like 50? Like, well, 46. But like, yeah, that, that many times. That like, many times. How would you? Know. Even well, if then it's again, just three times, how would you not know? If they were very on and off, it could have been only during the times that they were off. You know? Yeah, I mean, we'll see what happens to Hill at the end. But I... Okay. I find it difficult to believe that someone you've been with for 15 years, mate, if you do something out of the ordinary and we've been together for three years, I cotton on. Yeah, you know. And I'm like, oh, you came home a bit late today. Like, did you, go, did you guys go for drinks after work or something? Like, not in an accusatory way, but like, oh, hey, found a body in the bathtub. Did you do uh, anything unusual today? Like, come on, 15 years, you're going to know. Yeah, I come back and you're like, have you gone out for drinks? And I'm like, no, I'm fine. Go off my back. Go <laughs> fuck up. <laughs> so in June of 1971, Hill left Kearney again. And this time he only left a note. He didn't like properly break up with him or anything. So Kearney got real mad. Yeah. Um, he picked up 13-year-old John Demchik and offered him a ride home. Uh, did the whole modus operandi thing. Let's not go into the details again. Um, and this, his body was just discovered 20 months later. So he went a long time without being discovered. Wow. Um, by 1974... He was killing at a rate of about one a month. Oh my God. MO always the same. Well, I say always. There are a couple of cases I'll go into in a minute but that deviate, but it's pretty yeah. much always the same. Shot behind the left ear, sodomized the body, put in trash bags, dismembered, dumped by the side of the road. Jesus. Yeah. Now he preferred, this is where we're going to get into the displacement theory. 
He preferred larger men in terms of muscular and tall, etc. Not yeah. necessarily overweight, but just larger than his weedy self. Um, and he later claimed that this was because they resembled the people who'd bullied him at school. And so obviously he was taking power and, oh. and, and, you know, sort of getting his revenge that way. And like, you are one of these types of people who did this thing to me. So it's not even, it doesn't even have to resemble them. It's just about like, he's weak, they're strong. It's, so he's a power control killer, maybe. Uh, we'll, I'll, I'll stop guessing. Well, no, well, it's good to guess because the thing is, is I don't, I just think he's a scumbag. So that it might be the case that he is a power control killer, but I feel weird putting a label on it because I just think he's obsessed with killing because from such a young age, rolling in blood and guts, like that's no, th not I th normal. I think, I think you're right. To me, this sounds like uh, a power control killer because okay. it sounds like he has these big arguments with his, with Hill. Mm. And then he goes out and he needs to like have some control. And uh, sort of, I know this is going to sound very horrible and sort of almost a bit, you know, wrong, but like uh, sodomizing the body, that's a massive symbol of control. Yeah. In all aspects. If someone is sort of like the person in, in a sexual encounter who is sort of the one giving rather than receiving, that's like a sign of, of, of power, of control. And a lot of men use that like when to feel power when they go and have sex with loads of ladies. Um, and, you know. I'm about to say something though. So yes, power and control does seem like it's an element, but he also went on to kill several children. Now, whilst you can say, oh, that's like the ultimate power, you're, you're picking on someone younger than you, you've got physical power over them. It doesn't follow with It doesn't we follow with saying. the displacement and the bullying. Yeah. So that's why I'm just a bit there like, he was just trash. I think it, it might be a mixture of both. It might be a mixture. You know, I think it was. I think it Serial killers are very complex human beings and yeah. it's difficult to pin down exactly why they do these things because there's not a lot of logic behind it. Killing someone isn't a logical thing to do unless it's in self-defense and there's a clear reason, you know, like other than going, I'll kill you so you won't kill me, there is no logic. Yeah, I mean, like that's that's a strong way of putting it, but I think there are more logical, purely logical reasons to kill someone. But in terms of what you're saying is there's no logic with this man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so then we've got a few more victims, which I'm actually just going to skim over and get to the ch children because they're, they're the ones that deviate from the modus operandi. Okay, yeah. Um, so in August of 74, he abducted five-year-old Ronald Dean Smith. Oh my Lord. And he actually kept him for two days. Oh no. And he sexually tortured him for those two days Jesus before Christ. suffocating him, not shooting him, and disposing of his semi-naked body. That is a huge move away from yeah. His, his MO. Yeah. Um, two months after Ronald went missing, there were two young boys who were playing and they came across a trash bag with Ronald's body inside. Yeesh. So it's just uh, absolutely horrible. Um, then you've got a few more that go along with his MO. Um, and then and then in 77, so a few years later, two years after this five-year-old, there's an eight-year-old. And these are the only two children that I found. Granted, the sources that I was looking at were very hit and miss with how much they told you about the victims. Yeah. Um, so there were probably more children but these are the two that I found in my research. Right. This was um, eight-year-old Merle Chance. Now, he lured him into his car, probably offering him a ride somewhere. He took him to his house and uh, smothered him. Again, with, with the children, it seems that he smothers that's rather really than shoots telling. them. It's really telling. It's not shooting. It's That's really interesting. Like, why, why would he change for them? Yeah, I, it's very weird. Um, and apparently he was... 
uh, in awe of a bunch of serial killers. He'd read, read newspapers um, about all these different ones. There were two other freeway killers happening at the same time, which made him more difficult to track, obviously, because mm-hmm. there's conflicting evidence. I love the stories of serial killers who know about serial killers. Yeah. So Dean Coral was one of his favourites. Ah, the Candyman. Yeah, so he read about him and kept newspaper clippings and like read like all the books he could find on him and all of this. So like very creepy. That is genuinely okay. If anyone knows about a story that is genuinely a serial killer who was purely inspired by another serial killer, I would love to know about it. Like those, the, I I find that so fascinating when people idolize it. There was a forensic file episode where there was this one kid. He had he killed like one person and he got arrested in court. But then they found his journals and they found that he was like a psychopath. Yes, oh my and god! He was like he was like I'm gonna be the next Bundy. I'm gonna be the ultimate like, serial killer. I'm gonna killer. be the ultimate serial killer, yeah. literally. And I was just like, that's amazing. Like I'd love to know about a serial killer who actually tried to do that. Yeah, I find that so fascinating. That's I mean, insane. you've got the chessboard killer as well, who who had this sort of vision of this goal. I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna kill this many people in this way. You know, it's it's very fascinating to see people who do it to be a serial killer. Yeah, and it's also weird. like um, the ABC murders. Um, uh, that like a lot. Some people think it's a coincidence, but there's the people. Oh who yeah, were, yeah, yeah. Who were killed, and the only people were the the first the first letter of their first name was the same as the first letter of their last name, and that letter was also the the first letter of the area that they were killed in. Yeah, and he did it like up to E or something. Yeah. So. Um, now I'm going to talk about how he got caught mm-hmm. because, like I said, all, 46 suspected victims, all pretty much in the same way other than the children, which I think is very, it's very interesting, but I don't know enough about psychology or this case to yeah. actually say for sure why the children were smothered rather than shot. It is interesting though, but yeah, yeah. C- carry on. So in um, March, March 13th of 1977, Kearney would kill his final victim, John LeMay. So LeMay came to Kearney's house Great, just a victim delivered to his door. Um, so it's definitely opportunistic. Um, Hill wasn't home, and uh, that was who LeMay had come to see. But Kearney invited him in anyway and shot him in the back of the head. He then disposed of his remains in the desert, and his remains were found less than a month later. Mm-hmm. But now here's the good thing LeMay had told people that he was going to go visit Hill that day. That's the problem with opportunity killers. Yeah, so if you pick up a hitchhiker, the hitchhiker's not told anyone who they're going with because they're just going to get into the first car that stops, right? Whereas someone who you know or someone who can be linked to you because they come to your house, this is his downfall. Yeah. Um, So he he told some people that. And so the police obviously went to Kearney and Hill's home to be like, hey, did you see him? You know, this is the last place people said that he was headed. So if you saw him, where did he go afterwards? Blah, blah, blah. So they were questioned and apparently they were very cooperative. But the minute that the police left them, they fled. And I don't know why, but a few months later, they turned themselves in. Huh. On July 1st, which is my birthday. Oh, wow. Um, little birthday present to me. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I have no idea why. None of my sources told me why. Uh, if you know, do give us a tweet because that's very interesting. Hill was cleared of any involvement in Kearney's crimes. Any involvement. Right, so that and the capture and the turning in makes me think that Hill didn't know. Because they ran away and Hill is like, why the fuck are we going? Where are we going? Why are we running? And eventually, Kearney was like, it's because I've been killing all these boys. And Hill was like, go turn yourself in right now. That's, Maybe. Like, why else would he turn I, himself I do, in? I do see that. Yeah, I was thinking it's, it was probably Hill's idea. That's what I was thinking. I think thinking. it's got to be. Like, why else? How, you know. 
He probably got to a point where Kearney just couldn't lie anymore. And he was like, okay, fine, I killed 48 boys. Or, or maybe Hill was... Hill knew some aspects of it, like, hey, man, you did come home bloody one day, or, hey, like, you you were, like, these all happened when we were split up. Like, uh, there are a bunch of missing people during the times in which we split up. So did you have anything to do with that? Like, yeah. I know that you go on long rides when we have arguments. And then maybe he, like, pressured it out of him. Maybe, I don't know. But I do think that Hill had something to do with, with Kearney turning himself in. Uh, especially because why would Hill come with him if Hill didn't have anything to do with it? So he probably accompanied him to make sure he was turning himself in, right? I guess, yeah. So Kearney made a full confession, although he never confessed to the Tijuana murders. Okay. But they had enough regardless, and he was charged with 21 counts of murder, pleaded guilty, and he was given 21 life sentences. He is currently alive. He's 78 years old, and he's incarcerated at California State Prison. Man, he's got to have a hard time in prison. Killing boys, paedophile, gay. Yeah. Like oh no, poor Kenny. Oh. No, no, no. Oh, no, not, I know, I, I know. I don't care. I'm taking the piss. But I'm just saying, like, wow. Yeah. So, uh, still alive. Write to him if you want. <laughs> I'm totally joking. Don't do that. What, Why not? Write to him. See what, what happens. What good will come from it? You just get to interact with a, mur- a murderer. Uh, that sounds awesome. Yeah. All right. Um, <laughs> but yeah, sorry for such like a brief rundown. Like I said, there's just so much information. I could have gone into the psychology. There's more about his childhood. There's also more about his re- relationship with Hill. But as I said, there are there, there is a two-part episode on serial killers by Parcast, the network. So do go check that out if you're intrigued by this case. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're if you're not, if I've satiated your desire for knowledge, then good. If your <laughs> if your murder thirst has been quenched wonderful so yeah that was a really really good story thank you thank you uh that's all right <laughs> thank you very much oh thank you thank you uh, and also thank all of you for listening thanks you guys uh if you can you can find us on itunes uh you can rate and review that would be awesome we will give you a little shout out like we did at the beginning of this episode for five star reviews we are so grateful to everyone who has left really really nice comments just so lovely it is lovely it warms our little hearts yeah thank you very much um so you can find us on instagram at killing it crimecast you can find us on twitter at killing it crime you can email us at killing it crimecast at gmail.com and yeah please do get in touch we love to hear from you guys again we had a guest episode last week if you want more of those or if you yourself want to guest drop us an email let us know um yeah i think that's all the plug-in that we got that's all we got right guys we'll see you next time Bye. bye